afternoon, everybody. Sean Durkin here with Teresa Lessig. How are you doing, Teresa? I'm doing great. How are you, Sean? Well, thanks. I thought you'd be the perfect person to have on because today we're going to talk about how can a bank fail? Because there's been a little bit of that in the news over the last mm -hmm. few weeks. But I think more importantly for us who live in Canada, how are the Canadian banks different than the U.S. banks and in particular the ones that failed? Yeah. I thought you'd be the perfect person to kind of cover that off. We're having a lot of questions about that right now. A lot of conversations with imagine. Uh, companies that work in both the United States mm -hmm. and in Canada uh, or Canadian companies that are owned by U.S. parents. A lot of concern. So absolutely, it's, it's very topical right now. So I'm always interested in that because, you know, obviously the Canadian and the U.S. banking system, by extension, the European mm -hmm. banking system, it's systemic. It's there all the time. Mm -hmm. Do you have more questions around the solvency of banks and does it amplify substantially when these things occur? Or is it always in the back of, uh, of customers' minds in terms of, you know, could this ever happen? You know, I, th I think there's certain customers where it's always in the back of their mind, mm -hmm. but it, it is amplified a significant amount right. when these events happen, whether it's a, a Silicon Valley bank or whether there's concerns that happen in other countries, you mm -hmm. know, what we saw happening in Europe. That, that does bring about the concern. The best relationship with a bank is one you don't have to think about, right? right? And, and that's what businesses expect from their bank is uh, you just do what you do and I should never have to think about you. And when banks hit the press, all of a sudden there's questions. Well, this right? kind of hit the press because, I mean, if it, so, you know, we did a little bit of like it's all easily, you know, you mm -hmm. can find this yeah, on the Internet. It's easily find, findable information. But if you look at the value in today's dollars of the bank failures that occurred in 2008, it was somewhere in the neighborhood of around, I want to say, maybe $350 billion. The vet total value of the bank failures in the past year in the United States, $550 billion. It's not insignificant. This is, a, mm -hmm. like, these are failures of a 2008, 2009 magnitude. Yep. Right? Yep. yep. How many banks in Canada have got failed? Just to... You know what? Uh, banks, I don't know off the top of my head. When was the last time we had a Canadian bank failure? I can't remember. Yeah, and that's good news. It is. That's the good news. I, I do remember years ago, I think when I was a teenager, there was a credit union that went down. Right. But it's so, so rare uh, to happen. You've got the, the big six banks in mm -hmm. Canada, and there's never been any concern with any of them. And right. then you, you run down that list you've got your your sked one banks which mm -hmm. you know deal directly with the payment system there's never been a failure of a sked one bank right. in canada um so you roll down the hill and there there's been some smaller ones in years past but it has been a really long time like there's never been a canada. failure of a canadian bank for as long as we can remember or even study back in history that's been significant enough to to really derail the US or sorry the Canadian economy sorry there's yeah, never that's been, been anything significant enough yeah. yeah okay i mean because now why now let, let me back it up a step in canada you mentioned there's eight schedule 1 banks mm -hmm. which which is actually that means something because they're governed a certain way and i'll let yeah. you describe that in a moment there's somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 schedule 2 banks yep. in canada yep versus in the united states there's more than 4,100 <laughs> yeah. different banks, right? More than, yes. Right. So yes. so what what makes a Canadian bank different from a regulatory standpoint than a U.S. bank? Well, there's a whole lot of, of different things. Uh, you know, you s said from a regulatory standpoint. The reality is we have one regulator in Canada. Mm -hmm. That's That's the short answer that makes 
all the difference in the world. We have one set of rules mm -hmm. for all the banks. So we're going to deal with OSFI. We're going to deal with one payment system, which is Payments Canada. We're going to deal with the Bank Act, yeah. which is directly uh, from the government of Canada. So th these are all acts of parliament. It, it is one set of rules for every single bank, whereas our partners mm -hmm. south of the border, um, anyone can own a bank. You right. can have the corner, you know, the bank of corner here and there. Uh, Jesse Ventura famously owned his own bank. Uh, you you can, if you've got enough money, you can start a bank in the United States. Right. And that could be regional, could be local, could be state, could be multi. There's all sorts of rules around the different regulators. And when you actually charter a bank in the States, you choose who your regulator is at that time. Okay, so you're a bank, like you're, you're Jalal Madani, mm -hmm. and you decide to open up a bank. Mm-hmm. He can choose which regulator he wants to work with. Yeah. So he could choose, yeah. I imagine, like a state regulator or yeah. a federal regulator yeah. or, or really. It, it, yeah. Theoretically, so they also pay the regulator dues. Mm -hmm. So they could choose to change regulators. If, for example, their regulator was asking for something they didn't want to do, they could choose. Now, hmm. that does imply that there's a potential for a race to the bottom. For as far as regulatory controls, mm -hmm. um, certainly I know the Fed is trying to look at that and figure out how to ensure that it doesn't happen. There's no current evidence of that, but it, uh, things like a race to the bottom or a Lehman's Brothers or an SVB, they don't happen until they happen, right? There's a right. few analysts who will see it coming, but most of us are going to be caught off guard right. by it, right? So that worry of being able to choose your regulator that's a huge difference from what we well, have it's kind of it's kind of like to me like being able to choose your referee for a hockey game kind of isn't it kind of like, I, I don't like you referee i'm gonna bring in my own referee that i like better i hadn't right? thought of that but yeah, yeah very much so because the regulator determines how well how you do your compliance how you do your right. anti-money laundering how you do all the other things that you have to do to be a bank um how they're measuring what a stable bank looks like. Right. There's very strict rules, and we in Canada have to report up to to OSFI and to the Bank of Canada. So OSFI is the, the Office of the Superintendent yes. of Financial Institutions, and yes. it's the same whether you're running your operations in British Columbia or Quebec yep. or Nova yep. Scotia, for that matter. Yep. Versus, I imagine, when you're down in the United States, and let's say you're a regional bank, op let's say you have branches in California, mm -hmm. Oregon, and, and Nevada, or what may have you, you could easily be dealing with like four or five different regulators based on state regulators, mm -hmm. federal regulators, mm -hmm. and maybe even municipal regulators. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that exists, but that could, well, that could the, be the case. Yeah, not municipal regulators, but there are different levels that can cause confusion, right? Um, as well as the systems themselves, right? Wow. The When you have 4,100 banks, it's hard to make it homogenous right. in how they all operate. Uh, so advantages on the U.S. side are there's so many banks, it's hyper-competitive. Right. They're always trying to invent something that their competition does not have, and they can move without anybody else needing to move. So they can invent things, create things. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. In Canada, we have a smaller group, and we all sit at the same table. We use the same rails, we right. use the same rules, the same regulators. So we move en masse together, and that means we, we're not necessarily as banks going to create wild and crazy things because our competition is going to follow very shortly afterwards. We're all right. in the, we're all in the same environment, but it does create a stability mm -hmm. because you don't get that wild and craziness. 
and I think because it all foils into one ultimate lawmaker, which is the mm-hmm. Ministry of Finance, mm-hmm. right? Again, whether you're in Ontario or BC, you're playing by the same, you have the same guardrails in place. Yep. The Ministry of Finance basically governs the Bank Act. Yep. And the Bank Act really helps limit the financial activities and business activities of the banks in terms of how they conduct their day-to-day business. And that includes the types of investments that can be made on behalf of customers of the bank by the bank. Absolutely. Why is that important? Well, you know, as as a customer of a bank, if I give you my deposits, I want to know that they are safe. Right. Right? That someday when I say I want it back, that I'm going to get it back. That's that's the number one thing. Right. And from a stability perspective, when you have the number of banks that we do, so much of a, a concentration of wealth mm-hmm. is with those banks. So that means that all of our wealth across the country is tied into a small number. They have to be stable. Right. Because if one of those large banks isn't stable, we have a wider problem. This is the entire country of Canada is going to be having a wider problem. So that's why it's so important when we say, you know, Canadian banks haven't failed. They are intimately tied into the economy of the entire country. Okay. You know, when we talk about your clients' RSPs, mm-hmm. right? Everybody has bank stock. Yeah. The the health, well-being, and... Um, growth of the banks is yep. important to me as somebody who hopes to retire someday. Right. Well, okay. So, <laughs> so what, you know, when you back that up a step, Teresa, mm-hmm. you know, you talk about the sweep, the, the Canada Bank Act has sweeping powers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if there is a legislative piece in the United States that exhibits the same sweeping powers across all the regions in the United yeah. States as does the Bank Act of Canada. Because again, it's very important to get it right. If it goes wrong, the Canadian economy is in trouble. And there's three main goals uh, around the, the, the Canada Bank Act, as I understood. And one is you got to protect depositor mm-hmm. funds. And we'll get into that in a moment, mm-hmm. you know, the difference between depositor-funded loans and wholesale-funded loans and yeah. so forth. Yeah. You want to also ensure that a bank has proper cash reserves, yep. you know, in place in case there is Get a, your money back. If there's an economic shock, mm-hmm. you need to be able to, you know, withstand it. And yep. we saw that in 2008. The Canadian banks came through very, very strong compared to their, yep. let's say, their peers down in, down in the United States and in Europe. And also to promote financial efficiency. You want mm-hmm. efficiency of transactions amongst the counterparties that, that deal in the banking system. Absolutely. We all have to be held to a certain standard. We talk, though, about deposits. Yes. Okay, because I think what's interesting is a lot of Canadians, they understand there's something going on when a loan occurs at a bank, but I don't think they quite understand what exactly happens when a bank makes a loan, you know, be commercial, yeah. personal, or otherwise. Yeah. What does occur when they make a loan? So I'm going to make it, I'll do the, the simple version because okay. it's complicated. We have really, really smart people who work this stuff out and do this on a daily basis. And yep. I'm not going to lie, sometimes they get talking about some of these things and it's, it's, it's complex. You get pretty granular. But the basics are money comes in, deposits come in, mm-hmm. and then the bank regularly looks at those deposits, how much is stable, how much is fluctuating. Of the stable funds, how much can we invest? How far out should we invest? And each bank has a different policy. Now, within Canada, uh, we generally invest between one to five years, and mm-hmm. we'll invest out with every single day. We're looking at what's stable, what's not stable, what can right. we invest, etc. So we move that out, and as we do that, that then protects the funds. But we also recognize that those funds being invested 
that's what we use to lend. So it's the other half of the coin being how do we ensure that as we lend out the money that we are giving it to safe, secure places that are going to have a return so that we can turn that back into the business itself so that we can ensure that the deposits themselves are safe as they rotate through so that our customers know that they can always count on those deposits to be there at any time. Right. Now, you don't lend as a bank, whether it be National Bank or Royal Bank or any other bank. When we when we loan out money, it's not like we do a dollar of a loan no. and a dollar of deposit and we match the two. No. It's different, no, isn't no, it? No, no, it's, no. I mean, it's pool to pool. We yeah. talk about a lot of different pools. There's a lot of pools. you got to look at a bigger pool. Mm-hmm. Um, the pools of deposits come from a lot of places, and right. each bank has a different mix. That might be individual dollars, you, you know, my $5, your $5 million, someone else's $100 mm-hmm. is all going to add up together. So that's what we call the retail funds. Right. Uh, you've got wealth funds, of course, okay. which is very important, but again, in a number of different instruments, not necessarily just bank accounts. Yep. You've got business funds and then you've got wholesale funds. Okay. And they're, they're a different animal again. Okay. So wholesale funds... This is wholesale funding. Wholesale yep. funds, if I can get into that. There's there's a couple different ways you can measure it. And the interesting thing is when you talk to the the really smart people, the treasury people who run the banks, we've all kind of got different ways of interpreting it. Mm-hmm. Um, because there are very there's a lot of rules coming from Bank of Canada and OSFI about how to interpret these things, but at the same time, one dollar is just one dollar, and you've constantly got to be reevaluating. So wholesale funds are money that we have from other deposit-taking institutions, okay. potentially, mm-hmm. okay, or that we are borrowing from other. So we don't really want to borrow from someone else. If we were lending more money than we had on deposit, that money's got to come from somewhere. Mm-hmm. We'd have to borrow. No bank wants to do that because that's expensive. Uh, but it's also you know, taking money from other deposit-taking institutions. If we go back to 2008, uh, Lehman Brothers, mm-hmm. when you look at their balance sheet, you had a lot on deposit and you had a lot on loans. Right. Okay? So that looks relatively safe, but they hadn't made the difference between wholesale funding and retail funding. Right. And wholesale funding being ultimately someone else's money moves very, very fast. So your deposit-taking institution, such as uh, a mutual fund company. Right. Okay? And you've got your customer's cash. You place it with us. But the moment there's any concern, that money will move very, very quickly. So if the market drops, there's huge redemptions, they need their cash. Right. And you've got to be... So any of those sorts of funds that come from other deposit-taking institutions can move very fast. And we have to be very cautious with those. So if you look at, so you, you have the wholesale funding. So the wholesale funding is essentially you're structuring loans and you're backstopping it with, with what is ostensibly not your money. Mm-hmm. You're in, and presumably you're paying interest back mm-hmm. to the originator of the mm-hmm. funds for use of those that money. And there's it, risk. There's risk. And there's it, a risk because it'll move. Because there's nothing contractual that says they have to keep it in there for five years or three months or two right. years or whatever. Right. It's, it's As long as the money's there, you can use it. Right. And at any moment... So is there is there some calculus that's done to kind of optimize how you should be using wholesale funds versus deposit funding in a loan? And are Canadian banks somehow better that, at that than our, you know, let's say our comparables in the United States or Europe? Yeah. So uh, calculus, yes. Yeah. Not my strong suit. 
Um, however, as I said, the really smart people figure that out. And each bank has their own formula for mm-hmm. working that out. Uh, the difference being in Canada, we need to report per Basel three. Okay. Okay. What our mix of deposits are. Retail being the most stable, yeah. sticky, because my $5 plus a million other people's $5 isn't going to move quickly. Right. Okay. So it's, it's very, unless, it, unless it's in Jalal's bank account yes. and it gets well, spent pretty yes. quick. But it's, you know, those, those smaller bits that I have aren't going to move the dial. Right. But it takes, and it takes a lot of individuals to motivate to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we have to report how much is in retail, how much is in business, mm-hmm. because Again, business has different ways of working. Uh, my team works directly with businesses to help them in their cash conversion cycle. Right. So payroll, payables, receivables, all of that stuff is actually very stable. Okay. Because as a business, you if you're going to exist, you need to do these things. Right. That creates stability. And so banks want that because it creates an, a nice base that is unlikely to move quickly. Then you get into your excess deposits. That's huge chunks of money that you know are only going to be temporary. We have to treat those differently. And then you've got your wholesale funding. Wholesale funding is big money, which is nice. Everybody, like the banks all like that, but it's not necessarily stable. And we can't count it as a bank as being the same thing. So when we're reporting up our stability, right, Right. We need to show this is what we we have to backstop any issues. And as Canadian banks, we're extra conservative. I I think it's part of our DNA as Canadians culturally. Right. We are risk averse. So we make sure that everything is as stable as possible and that wholesale funding is as small a chunk as we can get it to be. At any time. Now, the wholesale funding needs to go somewhere. Those wholesale funds do need to be placed somewhere. Yeah, they just they, can't they accept. They need a bank. They can't just exist in Yeah, the, they, they the do ether. need a bank. So yeah. it, it goes, all of the banks have it because yeah. it has to exist. But we don't want to rely on it because right. relying on it is a risk. So so you mentioned Basel mm-hmm. three. Mm-hmm. That's an international standard, yes. isn't it? Yes, it is. It is born, I think, out of Switzerland, is it not? Yes. But again, interpretation. Interpretation. Okay. And so the Canada has taken a very conservative okay. interpretation of, of how that should work. Whereas you go to the States and again, it's cultural. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of state autonomy in the U.S. Right. There's a lot of pushback against the federal government having oversight over everything right um generally that that is something that's not our our partners don't like as much in the u.s they like to have each region be able to make their own decisions right we don't have that same line of thinking in canada we prefer a centralized uh, management of of our systems and when you look at, you know, obviously you have your eight Schedule One banks, but there's really the big six yep. Schedule One yep. banks. If if one bank is seen, and obviously we don't want to divulge confidences or mm-hmm. anything like that, and there might not be anything here, but if let's say one bank is seen as being a little, let's say they're on the margin or they're pushing the boundaries of the Canada Bank Act relative to the other five. Mm-hmm. And the other five see this and they consider it a threat. Is there any recourse that the other five have? against the one that may be pushing it to say, okay, come on back into line. Like you're, you're kind yeah. of going a little too far out here. Like 
but it's, it's or not does that even happen? Yeah, it's not necessarily at the place of the other banks to call that out. Okay, it's right? the ministry that does that. Right, it's the ministry it. that's going to okay. do that, and they constantly are reviewing different things. So okay. when we do have different products, uh, that may be reviewed by OSFI to say, okay, does this fall into this category or that category? Again, it comes to interpretations of right. rules. We have read this rule, and we believe that it falls into this, and so that's the decision. That so it would be made. very difficult for a Schedule One bank, particularly the Big Six, to, let's say, ignite a whole new leadership team that, let's say, is a little more growth-oriented and putting heavy quotations around that, and they decide to push the envelope. That's going to be watched and regulated, and then all of a sudden... If they step out too far, the pull moment back. they touched the envelope, it would yeah, They'd it be would be noticed. Back. Yes, okay. yes, it would be noticed. And that doesn't happen in the United States, based on my observation. At least. You know, it's not it's to hard for me to extent. say what does happen and doesn't happen, but yeah. uh, you know, it's certainly again, I'll go back to culture. Mm-hmm. Culturally, in the American lexicon, go big or stay home. If you can't run with the big dog, stay on the porch. Right. That the you know. All of the Wolf of Wall Street, yep. that's still held up still as, as something that, that is to aim for and go yeah. out and get them. Um, and, and there is value to that in innovation, but not stability. Right. I, I joke that uh, when, after 2008 happened, I had been to a conference for the um, Association for Financial Professionals. And mm-hmm. before 2008, when I said I was a Canadian banker, the response was, that's really nice. And then that was the end of the conversation. But after 2008, uh, they wanted to talk. Wait right. a minute. Can we talk what Ray Rock is? Can we talk about Basel III? Can we talk about these things? Because they needed to understand how we were interpreting things in a different way and why we were able to walk away, not unscathed, right? but certainly oh, we took our body in a much on. better position sure. than the U.S. banks. So it... The, from a Canadian perspective, we generally, you know, when we do things, we do it together. We do it as a group. We study. We think about it. We go back. We probably study it, run it by a review. Right. We're very, very cautious. And so, you know, look, look I don't want to be seen as picking on the U.S. banks no, in particular. Because I think, I, you know, when we mentioned, you know, there's 4,100 plus banks, I would, I would argue based on my own observations that the vast majority are doing a very good job mm-hmm. protecting their clients' mm-hmm. assets, managing their shareholder expectations, mm-hmm. and growing shareholder wealth in a, in a way that, that makes sense from a risk perspective. Absolutely. Vast majority. It's just when you have one or two or three that get caught, you always have to wonder where are the other ones that could be in yep. a similar situation of the 4,100. It, it's just a different system. And, yeah. and I'm saying the same thing. I'm not here to bash the Americans. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have a number of former colleagues who are with some of the U.S. banks and mm-hmm. they know their stuff. It's not about that. But when the question comes in, where does the Canadian bank stability stand in regards to what we've seen in the U.S.? You're not even comparing apples and apples right. like they're, they're not even f- both fruit. They're completely different. We're based. Our systems are based off of different. Uh, You're more comparing an apple to a Tuesday. Yes, okay. exactly. It. It's okay. not the same thing. Um, you know, just as a final comment or mm-hmm. question, Teresa. So this all started happening, you know, a couple of weeks ago and uh, like even like, let's say beginning of April, it started to really accelerate. As a Canadian person who has deposits in the can- Canadian banks, mm-hmm. as someone who probably owns bank shares within the retirement, pr- you know, pension mm-hmm. programs and so forth, on a scale of one to ten, one being not concerned at all, 
10 being very concerned. How concerned were you from a Canadian perspective for Canadian banks when this started happening down in the States? No different than I was before. Right. Um, so if I was, I'll, I'll never go with one because that would be imprudent. You always right. should have concern. Sure. That's, that's being wise. But if I'm a three, I okay. was a three before and I was a three afterwards. So you, you, so not, you didn't exactly become materially more worried. No. Yeah. No, I, I know the Canadian banking system well. I know how it works. I know the frustration my team has when they want to drive a whole ton of deposits through wholesale funding. And I have to say, no. Yeah. Uh, so I, I know how the system works and I have just as much confidence as I ever have, which is a lot. Got it. Yeah, sounds like it. Me too, by the way. So, <laughs> well, Teresa, thanks for your time today. I think hopefully we brought some color to, you know, why a Canadian bank is, is very secure and very mm -hmm. functional in the global economy and, and not something that we should be overly worried about. And then maybe brought some color in terms of why a U.S. bank may or may not be a little less stable than a Canadian institution mm -hmm. and the, uh, the, ra the rationale behind that. So yeah. thank you very much. Thank you. And thanks for listening, everybody. And until next time, take care. Bye now.